Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Intersect, a podcast dedicated to the celebration and promotion of the intersection of God, the world, and the church. My name is Matt Skolnick, and I am your host. I am also the executive director of Muskingum Valley Presbytery, a collection of about six dozen reformed churches in eastern Ohio. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is a blessing to have you here with us again today. Because after all, you are the ones who live at the intersection of God, the world, and the church. In this episode, I interview a beloved man named Jim Argenbright. He is an elder of a local congregation. He is a retired educator in the area, and I have had the opportunity to work with him over the past several years. I think you will find Jim to be warm and welcoming, just as I do. In this installment of Intersect, I want to make it clear that I celebrate Jim and the countless other elders who live and work like Jim, who work tirelessly to keep their congregations together. This episode is important to me because the story of Jim's church is representative of the struggles that so many churches face in this period of history in the Western world. As we look for ways not just to survive, but to thrive, and as we look for ways to be the active hands and feet of Christ in the world, as we look for ways to focus more on the community of faith and less on what we think we know about what the church should be. I hold these struggles and I hold these efforts in my heart. As part of this struggle, whether we are talking about denominational churches or non-denominational churches, whether we are talking about worshiping in a sanctuary or in a multi-purpose room, I think one of the hallmarks of being reformed by God in this age is that we are coming to the realization that the Christian life is so much more than a worship service. The church is more than gathering to pray, sing, and be taught. While this is central to what we do, the church is primarily God's active agent of healing, wholeness, and salvation in the world. To make this transition, we have at least 1700 years of history to overcome and so during my conversation with jim we will not identify any pathways forward you're simply dissecting the current reality i pray that as you listen to jim and hear about his church that you will be able to reflect on the struggles in your local congregation as well And so as we continue to provide episodes here at Intersect, we will emphasize three types of leadership that churches are in desperate need of acquiring today. In the future, please look for more teaching about these three things. First, we need great organizational leadership within our congregations and which helps our churches align everything that we do to the great ends of the church. Second, we need leaders who are skilled at spiritual nurture and development. 
And finally, we need leaders who can help congregations in various settings with various skills and shortcomings, helping them to build healing, gospel-centered relationships in local communities. If God is moving in your heart to help fund and train these leaders, please visit www.intersectpodcast.org. And now, my conversation with Jim Argenbright. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are with a local elder from Coshocton, Ohio. His name is Jim. Jim has been in the city for several decades now, has been active in the church on and off for several decades, is very active right now. And so in this episode, as we ask Jim some questions, there's a handful of things that I'm going to want to do. Um, The first is you'll see that Jim is one of the local leaders who's really holding the church together as they're going through a time without a pastor. And so I just want to celebrate that local leadership I also want to be able to identify some of the struggles that churches in this day and age experience. And at the same time, we'll try to figure out why is it so hard for congregations to transition from what I would consider to be an institutional-based church to more of a community-based church, a church that is defined by the people, by the body of Christ, as opposed to being defined, defined by the big buildings and all the programs that we have done. Okay, so Jim, welcome. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks. Wonderful. I'm so glad that you are with us. Let's just jump in and talk a little bit about who you are as a person. I know that you spent your career in Coshocton, which is the county seat of Coshocton County, Ohio. You were a teacher there. You were a coach there. Just give us a couple of details around that so people understand who you are as a person. Well, um, yeah, I would have defined myself um, as a career educator. Um, I ended up teaching a total of 38 years. 38 years, Jim. (laughs) You have more hair than me. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) The the last uh, 24 here in Coshocton. And uh, I retired in 07. I did quite a few things uh, in uh, the educational setting. I was a freshman science teacher, uh, seventh and eighth grade phys ed teacher, um, an athletic director two separate times, uh, an assistant principal for um, three years. And uh, so your career, you worked with, you said seventh grade all the way through high school, it sounds like. Yes. Okay, yes. and you were also not just in the classroom, you were on the field and you, you worked with different sports teams. Can you tell me the teams that you worked with? Yes, uh, I was a football coach, really, for all 38 years. Um, uh, and then um, I did coach basketball for 25 years. Oh, my goodness. So basketball <laughs> and football, and I feel like you're going to tell me at any moment to drop and give you 20. <laughs> Not today. (laughs) Not today. Okay. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. I might be able to pump out five. I'm not exactly sure. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. So that's you as a person, Jim. And you, it's been in the community for 20 years or so before you retired. You were involved in your church before. Why don't you just tell me a, a couple of the ways that you were plugged in? For example, I think you were one of the active elders back in the 80s. 
Yes, um, that's that's correct. In fact, before I moved to Coshocton, I was first uh, an elder at College Drive. Were you? Uh, I didn't know you in, were over. Okay. In, For in those of Concord. you who don't know, um, <laughs> yeah, College Drive is right off of Muskingum University in New Concord, Ohio. Okay. So you were there first. You were an elder there. Yes. Okay. And then when I came here, um, it wasn't too long until I was uh, asked to be a, a, an elder at, at uh, here at Coshocton. And um, through the years, a few things happened. We, our, our attendance wavered and our, our participation wavered. And um, um, two, 2007, uh, the light kind of hit. And uh, uh, we resumed, uh, uh, I would say, a faithful uh, following, if okay. you would. You went through a period of kind of internal wrestling, of trying to yes. figure out who you were as a church and whatnot. Yes. Okay, so you've been in the local congregation for some time. You've served as an elder. Tell us a little bit about your city, Coshocton. It's what I would call a country city, but maybe the better way to put yes. that is it's a county seat. So just tell us yes. a little bit about your city. And it's, uh, you know, it's rural, um, even though it is classified as a city. Um, it's been on the decline. I'm talking about the physical city, the physical buildings in downtown for quite some time. But I'd say in the last two to three years, there have been renovations going on and people really taking an interest in what we would call downtown Coshocton, which is just Main Street. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it is um, rebounding, I guess you would say. Okay, and in your city, it's one of those cities that has like a little city square or a little town square. Yes. Your church well, is right on the edge of that. Yes, we're on the court square. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the other key buildings or key things that take place right there around you know the heart of town? Just, just that Main Street is a block away and stores are have departed have left and now they're starting to come back okay so so that that is good so the economy has wavered over time as economies do small towns yes. struggle with business and right now we're, you're in a period of revitalization which is yes. wonderful and i think you called it court square and is that because the county courthouse is right there yes yes okay, it is so the, the county courthouse is there and i think also, maybe the old county jail or soon to be old county jail, which is not too far away from your church. Yes, it's on the other uh, facing of the block okay. from us. And with that being said, being in rural Ohio, there are a lot of different denominations or ch churches that have grown up through the generations. So can you just tell us some of the other churches that are in town? Um, yes, we have... Uh, the Catholic Church, um, two or three Baptist churches, uh, Church of God, Methodist Church, um, Lutheran Church. Okay, and so in a town not very big, you have a good number of churches that are yes. right there that are together. Okay. Yes, we do. So um, very typical to, to many, or not just Ohio, but little towns across America is how I would put that. As you said, it is a rural town. I know the county fair is a huge thing in your area. 
In fact, it's going on right now. Oh, is it really? I didn't realize it's going on right now. Yeah, and the county fair is a big deal. I used to serve down in Coshocton County, and I, I was well aware of the county fair, and I knew never to do anything during the county fair. I forgot exactly what week it is. So it's obviously <laughs> the first week in October every year. Yes, Something it started like uh, Friday the, the uh, 30th of September. Okay. And the county fair is right there in the heart of the city, really. It's just a few blocks away from the courthouse and your church and whatnot. Yes, it is. Okay. So that's Coshocton. It helps frame the discussion for us. You mentioned that the economy has gone up and gone down over time. You mentioned that the church has had its struggles, revitalization over time, its ups and downs. Can you think of any other struggles that are in your county or in your city that you are aware of? Well, I'm nothing different than people are experiencing all over. Um, you know, we have we have crime and we have uh, the drug situation, and uh, even though job opportunities are increasing. Uh, but we still have a lot of people that are not working, uh, relatively. Sure. And part of that is, I don't want to call it a brain drain, but there's there's kind of two competing forces that make it hard for small towns in America. Sometimes the best and the brightest of our students go off to college, they get a college education, and they don't come back to their hometown, right? And they kind of go to a place that that has better opportunities for them. So that's one challenge, but you also have a variety of plants or factories and some have closed in the past handful of years. Correct. Um, we, we have had uh, GE has a plant that closed um, a um, factory that made car mats. They made other things as well, but that's what they were noted for. However, um oscar meyer has a plant here do they really i didn't know yes that. in fact they make uh we make the majority of the bacon for oscar meyer in the united <laughs> states no wonder <laughs> i love kashakin so much i love bacon <laughs> yeah, right there yeah. and then we, we okay. also we also have another uh pipe plant that makes steel pipe um that they are expanding and uh uh, they need employees uh, in the worst way. Okay, so um, there is a need for people to take the jobs that are there. Some people struggle as well. I was just thinking back a few years. Am I right in saying that there was an energy plant in the area that closed down? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, that was one of the ones. Well, there was an AEP had a, a um, electric generating plant, and then we have an ethanol plant that has been off and on out, okay. um, you know, in the country there uh, behind AEP. I really appreciate all of this information. It just helps frame the larger picture. Jim, can you tell us a little bit about Coshocton Presbyterian Church? And what, why don't we start with something that is not the favorite of mine because I really love to focus on the people, but tell us about the building itself because it is a beautiful building. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's really gorgeous. <laughs> um, 
we're very blessed to be in a building uh, the size that we have. Uh, we have a sanctuary that seats close to 400 and um, um, various classrooms. We have an educational wing. We have an office uh, that we have reduced the number of staff um, in time. You have that large sanctuary, which is yes. beautiful. Um, it has a balcony. You and you said it fits about 400 people. There's a beautiful organ that's at the front is really kind of the centerpiece of the sanctuary itself. The sanctuary kind of opens up to the left to kind of a gathering area. I don't know what you yes. call that hall there. The assembly room. The assembly room. And it, I think it's something based off of what may have been called the old Akron plan where there were kind of Sunday school rooms kind of up yes. above. Yes. Okay. And then yes. it goes down into a hallway into the education wing and you probably have, I'm going to guess like 10 Sunday school rooms or maybe not quite that many, but they're, they're, it's a pretty sizable education. wing. Yes. Yes. And then Montessori uh, is housed in the basement and they use a couple of rooms plus an office. And then, and then on the other side of the education wing, far from the sanctuary, you have another kind of like a parlor, or I don't know if you call it a fellowship hall, what, what the correct, correct language well, is. Yeah, we have a parlor um, right off of the office, plus a chapel. Plus a chapel. Uh, and the chapel yes. fit may fit 150, 200 people as well, right? 100, 110. 110. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it again is a beautiful space filled with beautiful stained glass and it just, it's a peaceful place to be. So you have a large stone building and back in the eighties, when you were coming to town and serving as a teacher educator in the local area, do you have a sense of the number of people who worshiped at your church at that time? I would say the average attendance was uh, 160 to 185. 160 to 185. Okay, very yes. good. So that's kind of a, a picture of where you're located, what the church building looks like. Let's talk about some of the strengths of your congregation and of your church. As you think about the history of Coshocton Presbyterian Church, what are some of the, the best things? The best things uh, were... Uh, a, a strong music program, um, a sense of warmth and invitingness uh, once people are in the building. <laughs> um, that has changed over the years. You know, in 1983, um, there were a lot of people that attended, but we didn't get the sense of the warmth that we feel now. Um, uh, that's experienced. Um, we have uh, projects that we do in the community, um, uh, reaching out, the deacons reach out uh, with a coat project um, uh, for school children at the beginning of the year, um, a uh, ham project at Christmas time, and uh, we also have an active uh, prayer shawl uh, group that reaches out to people in the community and um, also a group that goes to a low-income housing to uh, uh, minister to the children there. 
Okay, so you have you have had a lot of things going on, and again, um, there have been ups and downs. Like every church would have some ups and downs. I think the first thing you mentioned there was music, and while you were talking about that, it reminded me there is a a woman in your congregation who's now a senior citizen. I don't know if she's in her eighties or her nineties, somewhere around there. Who has yes. put together the Presbyterian hymnal at the national level. Yes, Helen Wright. Helen Wright. And she she's just a, a delightful um, woman. And she's kind of representative of that music program. And, of course, there are other big names and pieces in there as well. Going back to the music program, you did have a choir director for years. His name was Chuck. And Chuck was there for, what, 30 years, something along those lines? 44 years. 44 years, oh my goodness. A good long tenure before Chuck retired, and he was not only well-known in the city and in the county, but he also participated in music programs at the state level as well. And I think one of the ministries of your congregation with that music was that Chuck, with the church, hosted a lot of community choirs that brought in people from other churches and other organizations as well. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So that is some of the highlights of the past. Right now, um, let's just kind of frame the conversation in terms of the recent history of the church. You had a pastor, John, who had been there for 20 years or so. Yes, correct. And and then John retired, and then Mm -hmm. you brought in a new pastor, um, Karen, and Karen was there for just a handful of years. Three, a little over three. Okay, and then she moved on. And now you find yourself as a congregation without a pastor. How does that feel, Jim? <laughs> uh, really like a struggle. Really like a struggle. I'm sorry to laugh about that, but um, <laughs> no, I, I, I just I, I, I just chuckle about it because oh my goodness, I, I know that this the stress that it, it puts on the local congregation, the stress that it, it puts on people like you who kind of hold the church together. You're 100% right. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I just no, I've walked you're, along. You're not. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say that uh, sometimes when you dry, try and do too many things, not everything gets done that needs to be done. Sure. You know. And that's a struggle that we have with a lot of our congregations. I mean, there, there's a sense of mourning that we can't do as much as we used to do in the past. And part of that is we're a little bit older. You know, so Jim, when you said you retired, what was it, 2007? Yes. Okay, so you're not 22 years old anymore either. No, no, no I'm but, not. <laughs> so there is a limit to what you could do based on your age. There's a limit of what you can do just because you're a... a one person, right? And so our, our congregations have older leaders and fewer leaders. And there, there's a hard moment when we realize that we can't do everything that we did in the past. The one struggle, um, and, and I'm not, when I say this, I'm not blaming the pandemic. But when the pandemic was um, kind of over, you know, our attendance has not picked up proportionately to where it was when it hit. And um, anyway, there are fewer people to d- fill the slots uh, of the slots that we have open in leadership. 
And that is a, uh, that's a real struggle. It is a real struggle. And again, that's not unique to your congregation. This is something yes. that most, if not every congregation um, experiences at some level. You know, I, I just want to pause there and share a story. You may have heard me say this before with this common struggle. I was down working at one of our other churches and they are actually a very similar church to yours, a big stone church historically had lots of people well known in the community and with the death of a few people and people moving away and whatnot and the loss of some pastors and the pandemic, the the participation is not nearly as strong as it used to be. And I'll never forget the moment um, when I was down there, I led a handful of conversations. This elderly man came in and he, he said, this was about two years into the pandemic. I am thankful to be here. I love my church. My church is wonderful. I watch my church every Sunday online. And you know what? As much as I love my church, I like sitting on my couch and it's easier for me as I get older. And this is the first time I've been back to the building since before the pandemic started. And I probably won't come back again, but I love my church and I'm glad to be here. And I was so thankful that he had the bravery to say that because, you know, sometimes we think that the culture around us changes. Sometimes we think that it's the, the outside that is really in turmoil. But when we look at it, we are part of that. And so we have changed during the pandemic. And I'm glad that he had the bravery to state that reality. So that, that is a struggle. And it sounds like you had a few more that you wanted to bring up. Um, well, I mean, that kind of sums it up, just filling the, the slots. Uh, and, you know, maybe we have too many slots to fill. You know, maybe that needs to change. Yeah, yeah. Often we have to figure out how to, to to restructure ourselves and focus on some limited things with some higher impact. I'll just give you give you an example of that. I was working with a gentleman who has a job very similar to mine in, the, in a different part of the country. And he was so proud that in his organization that the quote unquote slots that they had to fill that they were able to trim it from 140 to like 115. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my gosh, like 140 would kill me, but 115, oh my goodness, I'm not sure that that is much better, right? And so we have to reinvent ourselves. And part of that is setting the old aside, having a period of Sabbath, having a period of rest and trying to figure out what actually is essential to our call um, with God in the world at this particular moment. Okay, Jim, so you have shared a lot with us right now. And I know that as you continue to serve as an elder at your local church, that you're trying to help reframe the future. Where do you see the church in four or five years? Or maybe the other way to ask a, a similar question would be is, what do you hope for the church in the next four or five years? I, I'm going to have to uh, copy some things from things that I've heard come from you. <laughs> okay. That works. <laughs> you know, because uh, we do need to be the hands and feet of Christ. And uh, 
that that's just, I mean, that shouldn't, shouldn't be a change from the past, but we are, when I say we, I'm not necessarily talking, but we as a congregation are too used to sitting back and having things done for us instead of us getting out of the building and doing things for others, even though we have programs for other people. It doesn't seem like that's the central function that needs to be. That's a very interesting insight. And in fact, one of the things that I learned when I became a pastor and I was not prepared for it is that we actually had some generations of pastors who actively trained congregations that pastors were the ones who did things. Pastors were the ones who spoke. Pastors were the ones who prayed. Pastors were the ones who did Bible study. Pastors were the ones who organized. And it is those congregations who've had, or that philosophy of leadership, those congregations struggle now because they, they were trained to, to sit and to receive as opposed to not only receive, but to find ways to serve that make sense for them. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, we need to get off our duffs. <laughs> we need to get off our duffs. And I, I just gave you an example of that I, I remember having a conversation in a church once where the pastor was trying to get local leaders to put together a Bible study. And the story came out that the previous pastor refused to let anybody else lead a Bible study because the, oh. the pastor was the the brain or the the heart or the leader or the most faithful one to interpret the scripture and nobody else was allowed to do it. Mm. So it, it's those types of things that really, really hurt us. And that I think is kind of at the heart of what I call the institutional church, the church that was set up and was, was quote unquote, very successful at one point and people just came and received. Um, but I'm going to quote you. You said, it's time for us to get off our duffs. Is that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I love that phrase. That's right. It, it, and Again, we recognize that um, our congregations are older. And so the question is, how can we, quote unquote, get off our duffs in ways that are appropriate for who we are as individuals, but also meet the needs of the community and also provide opportunities for us to proclaim that God's kingdom is close and near um, to demonstrate all the healing and the wholeness that is out there. Well, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm going to ask a question that I ask at the end of every podcast, and then we can pray. If you don't have an answer for this, it's perfectly okay. I'm just curious if there's any last thoughts that you want to make sure you share. Um, I think through all this, um, it's a time for that. I have been able to grow a little bit. And, um, and when I say that, grow in my relationship with the Lord and uh, um, really see what's important uh, for his work here in this, in this world. Thank you so much, Jim. And I want to, again, just celebrate your leadership and the leaders of other elders who are in your congregation and in many congregations. One of the things that I think is so beautiful about our tradition, and you've heard me say this in the past, is that 
The word Presbyterian literally means elder, which means that the spiritual leaders of the congregation are the elders. And so I'm thankful um, for your service, but I'm also thankful that, as you just said a few moments ago, that you, you've learned that you've grown in this process um, as an elder. So, Jim, may God bless you and keep you, and um, may you guys continue to take a step forward as you figure out what is next. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Great God in heaven, I thank you so much for your church in every time and in every place. I thank you for Jim and for his heart, for his energy, for all of his experiences. I thank you for those who serve with him. Lord, we thank you that you provide us with everything that we need um, to bring you glory. And Lord, we ask that as we try to figure out what the next step forward is for the church, that your spirit would not only be refreshing, but we ask that it would give us life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Jim, thanks again for your time. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome, Matt. As I listen to Jim, I'm reminded that just as Jim's church is representative of countless churches and their struggles, Jim himself is representative of countless local leaders who are trying their best to lead the church into a new generation. We cannot give thanks to God enough for individuals like Jim. Largely, our churches are filled with good, we might even say great people who just need some guidance. They need help dismantling old church systems and building up new ministries that are focused on God's healing kingdom. This is my life's work, to help find and develop resources and leaders who can walk alongside people like Jim, to help them take simple and faithful steps that actively reform the church and increase God's glory. If you want to talk with me about your local struggles, participate in a conversation, or just pray with me, please reach out by writing matt at intersectpodcast.org. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God's face shine upon you. And may God continue to reform the church as God reforms our very hearts, our very beings, and our very actions. Mm -hmm.